listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. You know what? This week we're launching my third book with co-author Brian Brown, and it's all about what's your next move. The book is called Move, four-question go-to-market framework. You're going to love this, especially if you want to drive your business forward. And guess what? As a podcast listener, if you DM me right now, this is only for this week, you can buy the book for 99 cents, literally 99 cents. It's only available for this week for that price. And you put a review for the book, I'll send you a signed copy of my book. So DM me when you buy the book and review the book on Amazon and I'll send you a signed copy of the book. You should check out the endorsements that we have already on the book from Brian Halligan, who's the CEO of HubSpot, to Jeffrey Moore, who wrote Crossing the Chasm, calling it the next book that marketers and executives should read. So you're going to love this. I hope you enjoy it. I look forward to hearing from you. DM me on LinkedIn and let me know when you buy it, review it, so I can send you a signed copy. Love you. Bye-bye. All right. So our challenge right now is making the switch from the traditional demand gen waterfall to a demand unit waterfall. So really looking at how we are activating the entire buying committee within our target accounts, how that relates to our marketing campaigns and our strategy, and then ultimately how we pass that information along to sales and and activate them on looking at beyond just the MQL or the initial lead that comes through, but some of those additional stakeholders within that buying process and how we start to activate that, that wider account. So where we are now, we put this into four different buckets. So right now, Our business reports out um, through a marketing source model. Um, Everything um, is tied back to an MQL, pipeline dollars, and closed $1. We measure and report out to the business this way. Um, We also are utilizing a last touch model in terms of marketing. So prior to the MQL happening, what was that last marketing touch that happened? We are looking at things like MQLs, marketing source pipe, marketing uh, source closed one, and um, return on marketing investment. So we know that as we start to look at things from more of an account-based lens, that these metrics don't necessarily align with the success and um, KPIs that we should be reporting on. So that's why we're looking to make the, the shift, not the shift, but incorporating a marketing influence model into our marketing source model, because we do believe that there needs to be a good balance between the two and marketing source isn't going to go away. And I think it's still a very valuable metric. MQLs are not going to go away. I think those are still things that our sales teams needs to prioritize, but really just looking at how we're rolling this out and um, kind of identifying those earlier stages in terms of benchmarking and how we report out to the business as we um, start to incorporate that influence-based model. Right now, our global teams are focused on acquisition and grow and retain. So we report, uh, we support North America, EMEA, and APAC. Enterprise is largely a, glo- a grow and retain-focused initiative, and then SMB is more acquisition-focused, uh, the nature of, of the business with the brands that we work with. And then channel and marketing, uh, channel and partner marketing is managed by a completely separate team. So we have a lot of different players looking at these accounts in a, in, in a few different ways. 
And then right now our SDR team ports into sales and works all inbound and outbound and also has outbounding responsibilities. So we're looking to kind of redefine what that SDR role looks like. And if we need to further segment that, if there needs to be, if there's any advice in terms of like restructuring how they interact with marketing as we start to move more into that, that influenced based model. Kate, did you have anything you want to add on this slide before we? I don't think so. Nope. So with that, um, these are some of the challenges and I'm going to kick this over to Kate to kind of walk through. Yeah. So based on what Jen set up and where we are, these are what we are seeing as some of the biggest challenges emerging from that. Um, We are moving more into ABM, really looking at um, intent on accounts and serving up um, those highly engaged accounts to sales. And as we're doing that and we're partnering more closely with sales, we're just supporting the different, uh, the business in a really different way. So a lot of what's happening on the ABM front is not sourced marketing deals. There are some, but it's a lot more around influence, around um, pipeline acceleration, around growing deal sizes that really isn't being captured in how we're reporting out to the business today. Um, So we know that marketing source only tells a part of the story. It really is kind of like the tip of the iceberg, but then we're really not doing ourselves justice in like what, what kind of lies under the water and really want to look at um, how to report on that. I do. um, There was a note on the, the current slide. So when we think about source, we are working right now to open that aperture to influence as well. Our influence model is based on campaign membership. So it does require a form fill. Um, which also isn't like the whole view of the world, especially as B2B moves kind of like away from gated content. We, we're just going to have to like even open further. And that's where I'm kind of struggling with how do we, what is our ideal state of what we want to report out um, to the business aside from sourced and then opening the aperture to influence? Like what is that broader view? So we're really like pushing to find what are those right KPIs. I think for some of this, it's us defining that ideal state. And then it's also the storytelling internally around why that is our ideal state. And we have a CFO who very much, he has a, a tab in our tracker that's called like, Ken's tab. He's our CFO. And it's very much like directly um, looking at how our marketing sourced pipeline and bookings are attached to marketing spend. And so like there's going to have to be the internal story of why that isn't the only way that we need to be looking at this um, at the leadership level that we, that we need to champion. And then a few other known gaps. um, And then we'll dig into like the problem solving piece. Um, We don't currently have lead to account matching software, um, which is a huge challenge for us to get to that account level engagement um, data then. So we're working on that. It is on the roadmap and we should have soon. We also only require sales to have one contact per opportunity. So we're not looking at full buying committees on the op. We're looking at one, like more day-to-day contact they attach to those opportunities. So we lose opportunity um, influence attribution there. And then we also don't have clear line of sight into a multi-touch attribution. So we're able to, we're just, we're not able to see exactly with ease, how, how people have come in, um, whether that's, um, sourced and what were those touches leading up to them, um, coming in as a sourced opportunity or influenced. So now the fun part begins. (laughs) 
So these are some of the questions that we have. Um, before we dig in, does anybody have anybody uh, any questions on um, anything that we need to provide additional clarity on or did the first two slides kind of give you guys a good synopsis of our current situation? Good to go? Okay, cool. Question one, what are the right KPIs to report out to the business when you make a switch like this? And looking at things like total number of engaged accounts and contacts within those accounts, meetings being set, opportunities being created, really understanding like, are we, are we missing anything um, in that reporting structure? Are there additional metrics that we should be baking into that? And then um, as a part two to that question, how do we start to group those KPIs as we report out to the CMO versus the CRO versus the CFO in terms of really serving up the metrics that matter to them the most um, and how we can start to you know, make that switch and, and give them what they need to, to understand the impact that marketing is having on the business. May, may I ask a question about KPIs? What are sales or business actually saying? What are they liking? What do they like to see? Yeah. How do they measure your performance? Maybe in layman terms, not necessarily marketing jargon. I mean, they, so the, the kind of like trackers that we look at, um, show marketing sourced pipe, like percentage of pipe that marketing is sourcing versus sales. Um, I think that's actually like another problem is like, there's a very, Uh that, that is a very sales versus marketing approach. Then it's like, Hey, why are you guys not doing this? There's a lot of talk about like, wait a minute, this deal, like attribution's wrong, or you close lost the opportunity for internal admin reasons to open it. Like there's so much wasted time there and we have to figure out how to maintain um, the data so that we're optimizing toward the right things, but we're also not getting into like so much wasted time and churning on, on like, is it marketing or is it sales? But, but it definitely is like reported out on like, what is marketing's contribution to pipe as a percentage of overall pipe? And what is marketing's contribution to bookings as a percentage? And we have a bookings percentage target. I think this is such a, for me, an apropos conversation to have, because I literally am going to be having a conversation with the VP of sales of our paperboard packaging business for the Americas this afternoon about this, as well as a member of his entourage. And basically what his members basically said is that we already know most of the market for what we're doing. And, you know, our issue at the moment is that uh, we've been actually cut off from our raw material suppliers because the consumer product packaging market is booming and we can't even find the raw material ingredients at the moment to manufacture the inks and the coatings that we need to sell. But I, my, uh, and I'm going to go probably down a rabbit hole here. I think it really all depends on where you are with your product and the life cycle of that product. The product that I'm developing is a new to the world product. And literally, I do not have the time of day to reach out myself to all of the potential customers for this product. I have, over the past week, reached out to at least five outbound call houses to find out what they can actually do for me to act as my virtual lead generation team. On Monday, I'm going to be having a meeting with the CEO uh, based on the recommendations of the VP of my division to talk about this. And my big concern is he's going to ask me that exact question. How are you going to demonstrate the validity of what you're doing for, uh, with regard to ROI? And, and I think that for me, it literally is going to be how many appointments can I get set up, number one, off of all of these databases that I found, all these contacts, lead contacts that I found. And within measuring that over the span of maybe three to six months, how much of that have I actually monetized? 
into actual sales for the company. And then on top of that, how much has that saved me not having to go out and hire an additional one, two or three headcount that I have to pay basically healthcare for, as well as you know spend six months to train up on, or I can basically uh, spend time with these groups, writing up a script, writing up a strategy, and then having them just basically go to town on it. So I think it all comes down at the end of the day when you're talking to you know senior management, CMO company, as well as the CEO of the company is, you know, what revenue can you generate for me? Basically, what is the timeline for showing that revenue? And how can I actually track that with you over the time? So with that, that's my comments. Yeah, that's really helpful. I think like another kind of like thing to throw in here, I guess we didn't give a lot about a background about the business, but we are in like hyper growth mode right now. Mm -hmm. And we had really strong year over year growth this year. There's expected 40% growth year over year next year. So it's like, how do we come together as like one revenue org to meet those growth goals versus like, we're all trying to like keep our own piece of the pie to meet our own goals. Like there's just like, there's so much potential for us to come together in ways we haven't. It's interesting because the paradox is that marketing is a lifetime value function and an acquisition function at the same time. And that's difficult because it's sort of seen as just a customer acquisition tool at this point. And that's why we have difficulty proving the value of marketing is because a lot of that value uh, surfaces in the delivery, right? So you need some leading indicators to satisfy sales, right? And I would say that inbound qualified opportunities, right? And then conversion rate would be two really important ones. If the conversion rate goes up, it means that the quality is increasing, right? If you're getting more opportunities, that means that the quantity is increasing, right? Then I would go with average deal size and retention on the back end. Say we affect these things, right? The average deal size went up this year and our retention rate this year was better than last year by this much, right? That's what marketing does. We don't just acquire customers. We do both, right? So you have to stand for that to a certain extent or else they're just going to put you in the acquisition trap. So when you're talking about number of opportunities that conversion rate to closed one and deal size, you're talking all ops. You're not talking mar- sourcing. Uh, no, I'm talking marketing sourced. Meaning okay. in asked to talk to a sales rep. Okay. Right. I think Kaleem, what you said is great. That's amazing. That's what, um, like I, as a like independent marketer, uh, see with not these huge clients, but with different clients, they don't realize that marketing can help with lifetime value growth. And this is what your corporate segment is focusing on. So the KPIs probably will be different, right? For the corporate side of the business and for SMBs. And you guys just had an amazing, like huge event, right? How did that go? And was like, how was marketing involved and how that interaction with sales went around this event? Because from my experience, especially in large organizations, events are this like boost of engagement between the whole company and if sales need satisfaction, like even on emotional level, events usually would be that point of interaction between marketing and the sales. 
Yeah, we hosted a very large um, world summit and it was good. I think there was, it was really fast um, how it came about in the timeline that we were on. And so I think that there was, I don't want to say skepticism, but just like you're adding another thing for me to have to do. So the folks who had been around for a while, like we hadn't done a world summit in probably like three to four years. So the folks that had been around when we had done them in the past were like, this event prints money, like get your prospects there, get your clients there. Like it will, it will close deals for you. It will open opportunities for you. But I think it's just like time, you know, like how do people allocate time? So we tried to be really good. Jen did a lot of work around like highly engaged accounts, like to help people prioritize territories and where they were spending their time, which was really great. Just back to the sourcing issue. We, we have sourced like significant pipe from that event. It's actually lower than I thought that it was going to be so far. And some of that just has to do with like timing of opportunities and how things work. Like we have an enterprise team that almost always like our main points of contact there almost always have an open op sitting on them. So we can't source an op for that person because they already are in an active funnel. So that's hard. Like there's, I don't know how to prove how we're, and maybe, maybe it's starting to report out on who all we're surfacing. That's like already in, already in an active funnel. And then looking at that deal velocity, those deal sizes, because oftentimes like what will happen is if it were an open office sitting on someone and then they go to something like a world summit, we push like a um, direct mail campaign to that person to like further engage them. They will grow that deal size. They'll add products to that deal size, but it's not something then that's marketing attributed at all. Um, it's, it's falls in that influence bucket. So yeah, our enterprise business, we have a lot of new product to sell into our grow into our current client base. And we don't have a good way to show how we're supporting that side of the business. Yeah. And I just asked that question because that was exactly the situation when I worked for HSBC and that was heavily event driven, but it was mostly for growing the priority accounts and even like acquisition events, even in partnership with someone, we heavily relied on existing customer base. And there, like the attribution was quite clear, if not numeric, but emotional, because marketing was the one arranging those events and working like very closely with sales, with Excel files, extracts from CRM, whatever, to track whom they invited. And our job was to tailor the agenda accordingly so that, you know, the right prospects, it can be cross-sell upsell, right? The right prospects are invited, but the topic and the whole engagement around that actually is very, like, targeted. And that really helped, and sales were really advocates of marketing. Like, leave alone, they thought marketing is events, but at least there we were okay. So maybe those, like, you know, critical boost of opportunity can be uh, leveraged, you know, as the, as lessons to go forward. Like maybe you want to take your top salespeople or those who like leverage this event very good, maybe talk with them why they value that and maybe on the KPIs as well. Yep. That's okay. great. Thank you. 
I, if anybody doesn't have anything else to add on the um, on the KPI piece or how we report out to the business, um, we can move on to the next question. But just want to make sure everybody had a chance to to chime in on how we should be looking at this, showing those. Yep, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I'm gonna lose the I'm gonna miss the boat here. Yeah, so what I'm thinking is like just the way you guys are handling a session right now. Are you, do you think you have a culture where you can open up something similar to your internal stakeholders and really talk about what kind of KPIs do they really want? Because obviously you guys are data kings in the organization. You're very well set up. You have tons of data. You have a lot of material to show. And while you're breaking it down by functions, everyone has their own little dashboard of their own function, right? And then you're consolidating it as a marketing thing. But when you're talking to business, not everything that you are sourcing as data is important to them. So you're trying to filter what is meaningful to them. And if you really position this as a collaborative session and say, hey, you know what, I've got, I've got everything. What do you really want? What would matter to you? What is valuable? How can I stitch it? Where's the gap? Or have the conversation. When you're indirectly educating them, the second is you're really hitting it from them, which would set the stage. Obviously, you know a couple of things that will work, but really getting them involved would really half, maybe half the battle is won already for you guys. Yeah, so I just wanted to put that perspective in mind, think through that. I think yeah. that also ties into what Kaleem said about educating about lifetime value. It gives you the chance to talk about all the different ways that, you, that you're impacting sales pipeline, everything. And, and yeah, I, I love that idea, Mudasar. Yeah, we, de- we, we definitely have the relationships internally to be able to have that conversation. Um, so that's a great kind of call out. I do think it would be helpful for us to go with some like thought starters of where, where we see there being potential, because I think like our sales counterparts and even like our rev ops leader um, would really lean into this. But I do think that they would say like, well, you're the marketing experts. Like, what do you recommend that we should be looking at? And so it's like trying to find that balance of like, how do we come with something so that it's not putting it all on them. But I love the idea of like getting to a place that when we come out the other end, like we're all super aligned with where we've landed because we've all been a part of the process. I love that. Yeah, so take your event or take your one campaign, maybe, which was the most successful. Be like, hey, let's analyze how it went. Like, this is how we usually do things, but we want to, like, leverage what Modassa said. Like, off something very specific. All right. So I'm going to move on to the next question. So we have um, very specific lead routing rules. And as we start to look at moving into more of, like, an MQA-based model, what are your recommendations around how we manage account routing and when do we pass over an MQA to sales? That's a really good question because in my company, I'm dealing with, I hate to say it this way, but a bunch of 50 something old curmudgeons in sales that it's kind of like, I'm Mr. Transaction and don't uh, basically bother me with your shit until you actually have something that I can immediately monetize So I really think that it goes through the whole entire business development cycle all the way through to, I see sales as, I hate to say it this way, as kind of like the farmer. Um, And basically I'm the, I refer to myself and what I want to create as the long gun. What I want goes far out 
using the analogy of the 17th century in the United States, far out into the woods with his gun. And he's going out there and he's basically killing stuff and bringing back the furs and basically letting basically the farmers or the guys sell the furs when I bring them back to the trading post. The horrible analogies, inappropriate, but uh, basically that's the way that I see it. But the sales guys, they are so focused on price increases and the uh, building the relationship with the existing customers. They don't want to, they don't know how to, they don't know how to hunt anymore, at least in my industry, which is the chemical industry. So I, I think that there's this massive unmet need, uh, not only within my company, but within my industry for a new way of looking at business development. And it's got to be through innovation and having these innovation discussions and having the discussions about sustainability and basically backing that up with true data to demonstrate why it's important to be using my products from a data perspective and talking to the higher ups within these companies that are either at the C level or at the you know, chief sustainability officer level about this to, and brands, major brands to get all this moving forward. So that's, that's the angst that I'm dealing with at the moment. I had a really interesting conversation with Lisa, who I don't think is on the call, um, but is um, part of the, it, it leads, um, the co-leads, the EMO um, group with um, Kira. And it was really interesting. I don't know if anyone here uses Sixth Sense, but that's kind of how she picks, like how people are in market. Um, and so I think uses terminus on the ABM front, but from an intent standpoint, layers in a lot more on the sixth sense side. And so like right now we can see intent topics and we monitor like people who are out there in the world searching for things that are similar to what we do. And we can serve that up to sales. The visibility that we don't have is like, where are they in market? Like, are they more at the awareness stage? Are they in consideration or are they at decision and purchase? And we should pass over a marketing qualified account for sales to like lean into that full account on what, on what they're seeing happen. And so I'm super curious if anyone uses something like Sixth Sense for deeper intent data. Yeah, or just looking at the behaviors on the account level as a whole and trying to tie in those additional members within that buying committee for sales to, to start to reach out to. We are in a very similar situation to you guys. Uh, and we're also trying to sort of like leverage both inbound and outbound and, you know, both strategies. Uh, the way we are trying to solve for what you're asking here is we serve to sell. So we have a reporting sales force that is pulling uh, data from Terminus and it's serving there all the people or all the accounts that are engaging with our website. So we assume that, you know, if they're at, on our website, obviously they know us, they've been engaging, they, uh, they're they definitely in market. So those are the ones that we serve to sales. It's not that we pass them off like you pass off, you know, an inbound lead. It's just a report that they can go into and see, you know, which are my accounts that are most engaged. On the intent side, we use intent for marketing campaigns. So we definitely leverage the intent data for marketing campaigns to, you know, personalize topics, content, all of that. We don't really, you know, push that onto sales. They can see the intent data within the account because Terminus can serve that. And when we've trained them on that, like go into the intent piece and see what are the topics, you know, see if they're looking at competitors, if there's, you know, there's certain topics that are really important to us. But we really only serve them or like the, the report that they can look at every Monday morning or whatever is, okay, what are the accounts that are most engaged on our website? And so we are asking them to prioritize that. 
if they're prioritizing them or not, that's another story. But that is sort of like how we, because then we, on the marketing side, we look at, okay, how many accounts that we serve impressions to, how many are actually coming to the site, how yes. many, you know, we're, we're doing the Terminus model, basically, yeah. um, but we're it's really working that. well. Yeah, we're doing that. So on top of the weekly sales alert emails that go out to everybody, we're also pulling raw reports from Terminus and serving that up to sales every Monday. So we've got it split up between um, your most engaged accounts that are showing intent over the last seven days. We also have a tab dedicated to any accounts that are surging on intent in current open opportunities. Um, same thing with renewals. And then we have another tab that's surfacing accounts that are only surging on competitor terms. So they have like more of a, a granular view into that. So we serve that up every Monday in addition to the weekly sales alert emails. Um, and the team's been trained on, on terminus intent and engagement data too. I think what we're trying to, to look at is within that account, if an account is surging on intent and engagement, how do we better serve up the contacts that the sales team should be going out to? Looking at, you know, engagement levels within, within that account and those contacts within that account, does the title make sense? Are they like, how engaged are they? And then how do we package that up and serve that up to sales for them to then take and, and activate that account? I think like one other note that we've struggled on because Christina, I love that approach and it is like very similar to kind of where we're headed, but that's also serving. It's the right business move, right? Like we want to be able to serve this data up to sales. Like our sales team is like leaned in and like waiting for those. And they're like, oh my gosh, like I've been trying to get into this like account for forever. Got this thing, like saw their intent topic, saw where they were going on our site and was able to like book a meeting this today. That is a sales sourced opportunity. And so that's another way, like, because we're not serving it up as a marketing qualified account, even though we're serving up kind of the, like the reason that they are doing the outbounding in the first place, that's like actually muddying, like what our support looks like and how to, how to tie it back to the fact that they did it. They took the action because of the, of the data that we shared. Have you run into that same thing? Yeah, the thing is that uh, the BDR team sits under marketing for us, which is a huge help. Spoiled again. <laughs> right. It's a huge help. It, it used to be under sales. We moved them over to marketing at the beginning of this year. And it's a huge help because then they're monitoring that report. And if they get into one of those accounts that is, uh, you know, engaged or intent or whatever, and they set up the meeting, then that's marketing source. So are they so we doing have that going on for us? Are they, would you consider that an inbound then if the, like, cause the account no, is, it's an outbound, so but you're we, managing the SDR team that's running outbound plays and inbound correct. plays, but they're all marketing sourced. Correct. Okay. We have a very small team. So the, just to give you context, the, I don't know how big your company is, but our entire company is 220 employees. So we have a BDR team of three people, the manager and two BDRs, and we're in the process of hiring a third. So I'm hoping, you know, we'll have three plus the manager. So they are, ta- they are all doing inbound and outbound. We're also having conversations about should we have one only doing inbound and the rest outbound or like you know that could be set up differently but right now they're all doing inbound and outbound so if we get an inbound in their they're split up into territories in their territories they have to follow up with that inbound but the rest of their time they're supposed to be doing outbound so then for outbound that's the report that I was talking about they're looking at that report 
and uh, pairing up with their sales rep and saying like, hey, you know, I'm going to start prospecting this account or this account. And they do the whole prospecting piece. And so they can go to the sales. So they, hey, I have, you know, these three people that we should definitely try to speak with, blah, blah. And if they book the meeting, then that's marketing sourced. So that really helps because if they were under sales, like you're saying, you just lose the visibility. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like crying. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. That that was a huge win for our team at the beginning of this year that we were able to move that. But I have have to say, I'm very lucky because we have a CEO that really gets marketing and he, he comes from a marketing background. So he really understands like all of these challenges and he, knew that if we moved the BDR team, that was going to be, you know, much clearer for all of us to understand the funnel. Does anyone, I know this like pendulum shifts, right? Of like, where does that BDR SDR team sit? Has anyone seen anything recently just on like the shift, like coming back to marketing, like more substantially, or do you feel like it kind of like shifts back and forth still? I'm just thinking of like how I set this up internally. Cause like people are like, I just had this conversation with our RevOps leader and he's like, I'm not opposed to it, but it definitely is like a what's like in style right now. Like they kind of like toggle back and forth between the two teams. So yeah, just- my side, at least they're moving. Like I'm actually hiring and building that team, but it's been a, a company decision that's going to be under marketing. And then you go into the weeds. There's another layer, BDR and the SDR. And what the hell does a BDR do? What does the SDR do? So all that nuance is right. But essentially, I think the trend is that it needs to go to marketing. And I think that's the right way to do it. And it's a fair call. And that actually brings up two things that I just wanted to throw out. One was that I think there's an opportunity for you guys to take up a reorg or structuring conversation in the, in the organization. I, th- I think there is a little pull, push and pull between each other. And there is an opportunity to really take that on the table and have the conversation because end of the day, you're looking at a one team model. And you don't really want to lose a lot of energy just trying to own the source and the pipelines and whatnot, right? So I think it, it, it kind of reflects on that there is a little, there are some frictions and there's an opportunity to kind of look into them. The other point I wanted to bring out was that do you already have a history of MQAs and have you, can you show patterns that if I had this is what I've been doing. This is the conversion rate. This is the revenue generated by us. Do you have any previous models to display and run at the, in front of your teams? You were mentioning about when to hand over the MQA to the SDR team, so the sales team, right? So I'm thinking that if you have been running similar models earlier, you might have patterns to show them that if I am using these lead scoring models, this kind of intent, these kind of signals, I went brought them into the pipeline. This is the conversion rate. So you might have something to piggyback on and build your case from there. Yeah, we can, we can kind of like, we, we don't currently have a data lake. And so it's really hard to get like point in time. So what, if someone's surging for intent now, like, it's really hard for me to say, were they surging for intent prior to us reaching out? Then we reached out, then these things happened. Like I, I don't have visibility into timing of all of that, which I think makes it a little bit hard from a modeling perspective to get to like what drove what, but we're also talking about that. You don't think so, Colleen? You're like, no. <laughs> I mean, look, look, I don't want to blow everything up. So I, I'm a crazy person. So I'm, I'm. Blow my- it up. That's what we're oh, here for. Yeah. I don't know if you, you can't do what I'm going to suggest. So it's kind of silly, but 
I'm going to get rid of sales department. So there's no sales department anymore, right? The AEs go to customer success and they field all inbound qualified opportunities that ask to talk to a sales rep, right? Intent, the highest level of intent, higher than engagement, right? And then the BDRs or SDRs or whatever you want to call them go into marketing and they support the demand gen Mm -hmm. with some personal branding, narrative evangelism, and then some account-based marketing activity. And that, that mix that you're getting there, right, means that, oh, my God, attribution. Well, now we only have marketing and customer success. So all, everything is marketing sourced. There is no sales. I feel like that decision is above my pay grade. Yep. Yep. But I'm just pointing out the fact that the existence of the sales department is creating this need to prove yourselves all the time in, in a function that is both short and long. Yeah. So it's causing all this complexity, but Hey, you know, it, it, it is what it is. So I think that the, the, the in-between solution would be to try to get those SDRs into marketing at the Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's super fair. I do think like we probably like most organizations like kind of get in our own way more than anyone else gets in our way. <laughs> yeah, my hope is that this like aligning on our KPIs and potentially like being able to pull the SDRs in is kind of that like first step and more of like a one team mentality that we just like don't have today because of how we're gold. And it's not just sales and marketing, it's product. Like we have product folks with product quotas. How the heck are they supposed to go to market with their product? They aren't. So then they have to come to us and we're like, we're not going to market by product guys. Like we're a solution. Like we're going to market with solutions. So there are literally all these points of friction um, because like goals aren't aligned properly. Um, And and just to put it in a different context, you know, my bet, I don't know this, I'm going to have to prove this out, but my bet is that a marriage between two departments is going to be easier than a marriage between three. That's not certain, but I have a funny feeling about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is really good. So I don't know, Kate, which one, what other, based on kind of how the conversation's been going, where do you want to jump next in our questions? Maybe we, we haven't talked, we've talked a bit like acquisition and grow and retain, um, but maybe we could jump to like, how do, how do folks handle the differences between those two? Um, so we do, as I mentioned, we do have a lot of big accounts. We have a lot of new products. And so we have a lot of expansion room and white space um, with a lot of our clients. And I think honestly, like part of it again is like competing priorities and goals, but everyone knows like the company is expected to grow. I'm going to think about how I can influence that growth. And so obviously like the SDRs are outbounding on our clients Um, the account teams are talking to our clients, the sales and the CS side and marketing, like we're all trying to grow those clients. And so I think, um, I would just be curious how people have really, like, we, we kind of like push to like, think about the customer, put the customer first and not have it be like, oh, they, they're a good, from our perspective, like they're a good fit for product A. It's like, well, think about what goals they're trying to accomplish. And let's like start with how we help them like accelerate their business and do what they're trying to do. But has anyone like had to 
like really lean in on the growth side and really like align that customer first strategy of how you think about going out, going out to accounts, growing accounts. And it has worked across multiple teams to do that. Cause I feel like we're really close to needing to, to have those conversations. And by really close, I mean, we should have already had those conversations. <laughs> yeah. Could I get Adam, uh, you know, to jump in here? I think what I'm thinking also is, uh, sorry, it's not really completely aligned to your question, but I'm still thinking that consolidation, because I think there's so many efforts in, in all directions, and that's a beautiful part of the hypergrowth mode. It's, it's just freaking chaos, and it's just nuts, but it's super enjoyable and rewarding, and you know you feel good about it. In the end. So I'm just curious if he would be able to chime in. Maybe you guys also need a RevOps. Maybe you need, I don't know if you already have it, but maybe that's another thing to really kind of unify things if that kind of work model could work we we do but they're too lean like they they're very reactive and just kind of like keeping the lights on more so are than they, are they more like cfos eyes and ears business intelligence pre-approval kind of people or are they more like consolidation and reporting and um, maybe like a, a mixed bag of everything, but very like on the reactive side of like, oh, we got a question on XYZ, like we're going to go chase that down versus more like proactive, like business building, if that makes sense. Yeah. And sorry, I'm not on video. Um, but yeah, I, at my previous company, we were in a very similar situation. We had very, a lot of products um, and competing priorities across the product teams, the go-to-market teams and things like that. So what we had done about two years ago was put together solution leadership teams, um, which really kind of brought together sales, marketing, um, product, um, and customer success. And they really helped develop the priorities across the company um, with the idea that then those came back to marketing to kind of sort through how we were going to go to market with those multiple priorities. Sometimes it meant combining solutions. Sometimes it meant prioritizing one product over another. Um, and then we align the goals to those. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've talked to Kate about this before, but like we lead with the pain points. So, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a one size fit all. So because of that, we're able to take them down a path where there's multiple products and them really self-selecting where they want to grow now that they have one of our products and, and what do they want to do next? And the SDRs were really aligned to that. We made sure that they had tight sales scripts to kind of take them down that journey once we passed them over. So it seemed to work really well um, from that standpoint in terms of bringing the teams together to really own the solution strategy and then the numbers. That's a great point. Um, and, and Adam, um, did you have anything that you wanted to add based on what Madasar had mentioned earlier? I just want to make sure that we are able to tap into your insights well, just from like the RevOps perspective. Hi, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's a really complex problem, which we are discussing here. Uh, and it's very common. Uh, I can I can uh, hear and I can see that uh, many companies are in a similar situation, and ours is uh, as well. There is no silver bullet uh, how to solve it, but it definitely requires revenue operations unit or or role in the company with, with a strong uh, with a strong. Uh, uh, expertise and skill set and also to have enough dedicated capacity for projects like this because it really demanding it takes time 
and the alignment between sales perspective, marketing perspective, or anyone else uh, involved is really in, <laughs> intensive and uh, it's, it's, it doesn't have uh, easy, easy solution. So I really don't have a clear uh, view or answer uh, to any of those questions or comments that uh, have been uh, mentioned. I'm doing my best to move a couple of uh, things on our side, uh, the shift of the ABM uh, uh, to prove that the ABM approach works. But uh, I have to admit that uh, also our way of uh, tracking the campaign influence uh, throughout the uh, customer journey is not it's not finalized. It's it's been improved uh, month by month, but there is still so much things to do uh, that I I know it it will take uh, another months, even uh, even years. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's my uh, not valuable answer, but I don't have a better one at the moment. <laughs> no, no, we we appreciate it. It's 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 good to know, and it's reassuring to know that. <laughs> A lot of other people are in the same position that we're in, and we're all trying to figure this out together. So yeah, it's super helpful to hear everyone's perspectives. I know that we're we're almost at time, but I, I did want to touch on one last question. So I know um Kate had mentioned earlier that we like uh, Lisa uses six sense to kind of showcase more of that like MQA ready account, um, surface some of those additional like contacts within that account to serve that up to sales. Are there any other tools or solutions that we should be considering um, outside of like a six sense? Because we do have we do have Terminus right now. We also have um, Path Factory for content experiences, and then Salesforce Marketo, um, and then we have a Drift uh, Chatbot experience on our site as well. So when we're looking at anything else to kind of give them more of that account based perspective or make it actionable from an account based uh, perspective, are there any other tools that you guys would um, consider or recommend? Well, I think that wraps everything up. I super appreciate everything that you guys have brought to the table today. Um, Kate and I, this has been something that's been on our mind um, for a while. <laughs> and we're you know, starting to make strides internally to, to make that shift. So um, this was amazing. And it gave us a lot of really good insight and, and takeaways that we can go back to the business and consider and, and figure out what our next steps look like. When we have it all figured out and it's perfect <laughs> with a bow on it, we'll come and report back to this group. Be like, yeah. we have cracked the net. Oh, wait, that's right. <laughs> Maybe progress. Maybe we could give you a progress report. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we need to thank you both or all of you as well, you know, for stepping it up and coming out and sharing it openly. I think that's really brave and very, very, and you've got all the right intents. You're working in the right direction. It, this is a matter of time, right? And I think, there's probably no perfect bow moment, but yeah, you could celebrate open a champagne somewhere down the line for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And with that, Good. I will just uh, go ahead and close out. So thank you everyone for coming. And um, we hope you do have a great rest of your weekend. Of course, we hope everyone walks away feeling 1% better every single week. And so I'll be posting a recap soon. You can engage there. I'll tag all of you in there. Um, leave your insights, takeaways, anything you couldn't say here or you didn't have time. Um, we, would, we can continue the conversation there. And then join us next week for the quarterly state of marketing event. And with that, we can close out. Thank you guys. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Yeah. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. 
If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, 